umgoblue.com by fans for fans since 1999 hello welcome to the umgoblue.com podcast this is phil callahan along with clint derringer and we're going to talk about the overwhelming victory of the michigan wolverines over the spartans and a little bit later on preview the indiana game well clint what did you think about the the Michigan State game uh, that forty four to ten pounding as you called it in your article? Yeah, I think we saw on both sides of the ball. We saw a lot uh, the fruits of a lot of uh, a lot of work. Um, the uh, the offense finally came together. Um, the game plan was executed uh, cleanly, and uh, they got the the plays that they wanted. They they you know. Great, great designs, uh, great, great attacking uh, scheme, and uh, the players executed well. And, and you know, Shea Patterson threw the ball well. The the line protected well, and uh, you know, 384 yards passing is the most that we've seen in a long time. I think uh, I think I heard somewhere that that's the fifth highest uh, single game passing yardage uh, of all time for Michigan quarterback. So that's that's saying something. You know, the Michigan's played a lot of games. So that's uh, that's really saying something on uh, both on the game planning and uh, the execution of the plan. And then defense, I, I really, really feel like uh, Don Brown, um, his staff, and, and the players are really peaking at the right time. Um, I, a couple weeks ago, I wrote about how the last four games of the 2018 season were actually – you know, there were some buried indicators there that, that the defense may have been having some trouble. So um, those indicators are not, you know, not showing up right now this year. So we'll see, um, you know, obviously two more games to go, one more on the road. But what Don Brown's doing by mixing uh, mixing in some zone coverages and, and changing up his blitz looks, um, not being so reliant on the middle linebacker, uh, Cam McGrone, uh, to be the blitzer and the pressure guy allows him to drop back underneath some of those uh, inside routes. And um, we see Kalik Hudson and Brad Hawkins and Josh Metellus at the safety positions uh, really uh, being able to, to help take away those crossing routes over the middle. And uh, Don Brown has been much less predictable uh, this year. Um, it's, so it, it's good to see, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I expect to to see that continue. I, I think there are more tricks uh, left in the bag. So, Clint, I, I want to focus on the Michigan State game because I think before the season, we looked at this stretch of games that Michigan was going through at this point in the season, and at the time, you know, it, it looked like a like a gauntlet. And as as well as uh, Michigan looked early, um, you know, at the beginning, I don't know if I would have predicted, uh, you know, uh, at the beginning of the season, just the the way that they dominated. I mean, you know, it's funny to think back that um, Michigan actually trailed in this game seven to nothing in the first quarter, and. I think for for kind of a split second, I was wondering if this game was going to be tougher than 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 we expected, but it, it really 
seems as if, uh, you know, the Spartan program is, is, has just, you know, has been trending down the last couple of years, but the bottom has fallen out and, and Michigan just completely, completely dominated. So I think, um, the question I have for you is, what do you think was the, the most surprising thing that Michigan was able to do in this game that, that, um, you know, that, that really, you know, you look at the score and everything came together, but what do you think was the main thing that surprised you? Um, I, I would say the main surprise was that Michigan was able to find so much space on offense in the passing game without, uh, an established run game, really. I mean, the uh, kind of the old tried and true, somewhat cliche is, is you know, establishing the run and then setting up play action passes. And uh, that was not not the case this, uh, you know, with what we saw against the Spartans. What Michigan was doing was using um, option routes and, and run pass options to, to put the defense in conflict, uh, especially horizontally. There, there were many uh, many plays that were designed to attack the edge of the defense. Um, we saw we finally saw the receivers that are uh, going in motion. A lot of times it's uh, Donovan Peoples Jones, sometimes uh, Giles Jackson, uh, Mike Sainer still or even Ronnie Bell. Uh, those guys go in motion, <clears throat> and, and it's almost like a, a decoy or a distraction. Well, uh, in this game, we saw uh, Jay Patterson throw that swing route out wide um, near the numbers, uh, you know, between the numbers and the sideline, and the the receivers did exactly what they're supposed to do and made made guys miss, made the first guy miss, and then there's nobody else there. So the the, the fact that there's nobody else there means that um, – the other routes that were being, you know, that were part of the scheme, the other routes that were designed there um, were, were clear out routes. So um, it means that on the, on the board X's and O's, Josh Gaddis really did a great job of creating space and then, then getting the ball to, uh, to the players to, to actually exploit that. So um, to do that without uh, really the threat of any, any run game, um, was was a little bit surprising to me. Perhaps it was because the Spartans were were going to sell out and stop the run regardless. So um, they kind of uh, you know did the play action for themselves or, or kind of packed the box themselves. But I, I don't think so. I think that uh, it was the design of the offense and kind of um, using a read, um, whether it's between a run or a pass or. Uh, you know, option routes that that if you if the corner is playing outside, then you break inside or vice versa. Um, there are different ways that that the offense can read what the defense is doing and exploit it. And uh, I think they did it uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's as good as as we've seen Michigan play offensively, uh, at least in the passing game in, in a long time. And that was a very very pleasant surprise. So. There has been some conjecture among the fan base, you know, explaining how the Michigan offense has kind of surged over the last couple of games. And one of the theories is that, oh, Harbaugh has taken over calling the plays and the offense has just reverted to what they were doing last year. Now, I don't believe that. 
And I think that uh, the Michigan State game proves the point, right? You know, last year you had uh, Karan Higdon basically dominating on the ground in, in almost every game. And in this game, you know, you saw Michigan, as you said, basically set up the pass with short little passes, you know, the RPO. And, um, you know, they punted once. Okay. And, and that's just, that's just incredible. The other thing that jumps out to me in the, in the, you know, old traditional flat stats is that the possession time was almost even, but, you know, Michigan was highly efficient on offense, 44 points. And yet the, the possession was, was dead flat, even, um, you know, the Spartans possessing the ball for 30 minutes and five seconds and Michigan possessing the ball for 29 minutes and 55 seconds. So just looking at the, at the, at the, at the traditional stats without even getting into the analytics, you can see that the offense is completely uh, doing things very different than, than last season. And, you know, I mentioned that last podcast, I have to give you credit because early in the season when I had doubts about what was happening on both sides of the ball, you pointed out that uh, things were evolving and, and you could point, you pointed out that really they were making adjustments that were hopefully going to bear fruit later in the season. And that seems to be happening, you know, and, and I also have to give coach uh, Harbaugh credit because earlier in the year when he said that things were really close to breaking out, um, I remember being a little cynical uh, a little critical of what he said. And, you know, it, it's definitely, uh, things are rolling right now. Yeah. I think what, what I had picked up, um, early in the year, uh, really was, uh, to, to use an analogy. It's like when you're trying to get in the, uh, get in your door in the dark and try to get into your house and your keys just not quite going into the slot, you know, you're there, you're almost there. You're just off by a little bit, but you know that's all that it takes to to not be effective. You're not getting inside until you get that key lined up exactly with the slot, and then once it does, oh look at that! It, it, it's pretty simple. Just <laughs> put the key in, turn, and and, and go inside. So um, it was the size of the adjustments. You know they weren't totally abandoning one thing or another. It, they were small tweaks that were happening um, in terms of how, which type of run schemes they were choosing. Um, last year with Karan Higdon, um, they were successful on inside zone and outside zone. And then the split zone and this uh, kind of um, bluff or arc read kind of run game came later in the season. Um, they started, you know, once Michigan started to be successful this year, they started with that split zone and arc zone. They basically picked up where they had left off last year in terms of the evolution of the offensive line and then um, then added in attacking the edges with those slot receivers to make the defense uh, defend sideline to sideline. And that's when some of the inside running uh, started to started to show some alleys to, to attack. So, um, again, they were, they were small things that, uh, just had to get into alignment, uh, a little bit of timing stuff. I think Shea Patterson, I think everybody can kind of see he's throwing the ball in a better rhythm now. And, uh, when he does uh, get out of the pocket and start moving, um, that's, that's really where his skill set is, is above average is, uh, throwing on the run, 
So when a play breaks down, uh, guys are finding space and those are the kind of feel plays that, uh, that take some time to develop. They're kind of, uh, you know, it's like chemistry between the quarterbacks and the receivers about knowing where the guy's going to go when he goes there. Um, think about, you know, some of the receivers that Aaron Rodgers has played with in Green Bay. It seems like they, you know, there's a kind of eye contact and then they both know where the guy's going to go and, and Rodgers throws it to space and, seems like uh, Michigan's starting to tap into that when Shea Patterson's on the run. So we'd be remiss if we didn't mention, you know, Ronnie Bell just having an amazing game, you know, 150 yards, nine catches. Um, they uh, mentioned in the post-game press conference being surprised that he hadn't scored a touchdown yet. So uh, it's funny. He seemed to be all over the field. So that was definitely something interesting. But the thing that I looked at is, just, you know, obviously Ronnie Bell was the number one receiver of the night. But there were a number of receivers. I mean, the ball was spread all over the place. And I think that, um, you know, nine different receivers. So you look at that, and I think it shows the flexibility of the offense. Um, you know, they're kind of leaking through to, to where openings are in the offense. And you got to give Shea Patterson credit. Again, he had a monster game. Uh, you know, kudos to him. But as you mentioned, he looks much more familiar with the offense. And there does seem to be a sync between him and the wide receivers that just wasn't there earlier in the year. Yeah. And, and you know, I, the other thing that I would be remiss if we didn't mention is um, they've eliminated turnovers, you know, knock on wood. That's it's still the biggest difference between what this team is right now and what they were early in the season. The, the, Offense would get moving, you know, they'd pick up a first down or two, get 20, 25 yards, and then turn the ball over. Um, that Army game and the Wisconsin game, especially <coughs> now that they've been able to hold on to the ball, possess the ball, that's more snaps, more repetitions, and that's how you start developing this feel that I'm talking about. And, you know, also, you know, you're not turning the ball over. You know, you, you got more opportunities to make big plays, more opportunities for guys like Ronnie Bell, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, to make guys miss. And then once uh, the defense forgets about Nico Collins, it seems like um, Michigan's been able to push the ball down the field to, to Nico once a game. And uh, I think teams um, have that fear right now that the, automatically with the threat of Nico Collins, the defense is stretched vertically. They know that they've got to, they've got to cover Nico Collins uh, probably with a safety over the top because it seems like if the ball goes in the air to, to Nico Collins, he's either catching it or getting a pass interference penalty probably three out of four times. You know, he's probably, you know, if I had to estimate it, I would say 75% of the time something good happens when they're stretching the ball vertically to Nico Collins. So defenses have to be aware of that. And that's why um, Ronnie Bell is, is able to find so much space on the edges and, and underneath over the middle. So um, the other thing that I liked seeing is that Michigan didn't let up, you know, they scored their last touchdown with just a few minutes left in the game. And I, I think it's interesting that, you know, we wondered, uh, you know, does the offense have the killer instinct? And, you know, they took what was open. It was definitely an RPO. 
But again, if, if uh, you know, the old saying goes, if the defense doesn't want you to score a, a touchdown, they need to stop you. So it was interesting to see it was domination from, you know, after the first quarter. You know, I, I joked during the game that Michigan State's highlight reel for the season was probably that first quarter. You know, their, their, their best uh, quarter against their, their top rival. And then after that, it was, it was all Michigan. And, you know, the, the other thing that unfortunately reared its head was there was a, okay, in this rivalry, and, and I know it's, it's colored by our, our side of it, but the way I view the Michigan-Michigan State game is that Michigan State often uh, takes some liberties, shall we say. And there was a stretch uh, at the end of the Rich Rod era and the Hoke era where Michigan State was so good and so dominant that you didn't see it as much, okay? And I remember thinking, boy, they're so good they don't even have to be cheap anymore. Um, and, you know, it was, it was uh, unfortunate to see in this game that there were some 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 cheap hits and some late hits. And uh, um, after the game, the Michigan players were definitely uh, pretty giddy with uh, – giving an opinion on what they thought about Michigan State. And I was kind of surprised that that carried over even to the Monday press conference, that um, the players were still still a little upset. Now, it's always better to, to be upset after a win rather than to look like a, a sore loser after getting your, your butt kicked. But um, I think that uh, the vinegar is back in the rivalry, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this how this works out over the next couple of seasons. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, coach D'Antonio has said that he believes he will be back next year. Doesn't want to go out this way. Um, but we'll definitely have to see how that works out. You know, there's the future is always in motion. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how much of this, uh, of these negative feelings carry over in the, in the rivalry moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. And, and I think Jim Harbaugh made it clear <clears throat> how uh, how important it is to to him and to the program in uh, in his Monday conf- press conference. He mentioned that now everybody in the program um, has an edge on, on Michigan State. The fifth year seniors and Harbaugh three and two, right? The fourth year guys are three and one. Sophomores are are uh, sophomores are two and zero, oh, and freshmen are one and zero. Oh. So there's a uh, you know, it's something that's being discussed and uh, they played, they played like it mattered. And that's really as fans, I think that's really all we can ask for is that they really play with that kind of a, that kind of passion. And uh, the coaches come up with a good uh, plan and uh, the players execute it with that kind of enthusiasm. Um, Doesn't get much better than that. Like, I I think I said that before and I, you know, that, I'll, I'll feel that way about that game for a long time. This doesn't get much better than that uh, in a rivalry game. All right, moving on. Michigan goes on the road to play Indiana. Got to take care of business there first before we look on to the battle versus the Buckeyes. How do you see uh, this game shaping up versus the Hoosiers? Well, before the season, um, my, my season preview article – I, I kind of highlighted how the schedule was set up as with this kind of up down dynamic, like a, 
in terms of coming off of some of the more competitive games and, and mixing in some of the uh, lower tier teams in the Big Ten uh, in between, and you know, going from Penn State to Maryland to um, you know into Michigan State and then to Indiana. So we knew that there was going to be a, a, a level of consistency that was going to be a challenge throughout the the Big Ten season. So um, so far so good. I think the Michigan has looked um, good, not great, but good in these uh, these away games. That that could be a little bit of a challenge to uh, to play with intensity, and I kind of expect to see the same thing. So before the season, I thought. Um, Michigan and Indiana would be real, real nail biter. I, I picked it to be, um, by a field goal, 28-25. And, um, when I looked up Bill Connolly's SP plus projections this week, uh, the numbers spit out a 28-25 projection. So I thought there's no way that, that, that that can be right. So I had to, uh, had to adjust. So when I, when I looked at it, I looked in it two ways. Um, since the Wisconsin game, the three away games that Michigan has played, I looked at some of the trends in, in how they're playing in, in home versus away and kind of adjusted what I expected from that. And then I also, um, looked at, uh, how much, uh, Indiana has given up. I mean, their defense is ranked 34th in SP plus right now, but, the, the games that they've won, you know, the, the best team that they've beaten is uh, maybe Nebraska, you know, and, and the worst team that they've lost to is is probably that same Michigan State team that uh, that Michigan just thumped, you know, and this Indiana defense gave up 40 to, to Michigan State. I mean, that's Michigan State's got some injuries and, and, you know, they're probably a little stronger earlier in the season when they played Indiana, but and that's Michigan State's last win, I believe, back in September. But um, still, I, I I I don't think Indiana's defense is anything to write home about. So um, if Michigan plays clean again, again keep the uh, keep the turnovers uh, at bay and execute the plan, then uh, I think they'll move the ball pretty consistently. It'll just be a matter of whether they can punch it in. If you remember the 2018 game against Indiana, Jake Moody kicked six field goals. So Michigan's offense moved the ball from 20 to 20, but um, could not find a way to punch it in. So uh, I'll be looking very closely uh, at scoring opportunities and see how efficient the Wolverines are when they get the ball in, uh, into those scoring opportunities. Got to gotta be able to finish and, and punch the ball into the end zone. So I'm kind of stepping back from this one a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's easy for people to look at the name Indiana and overlook the game. And I think we need to, you know, think back that, you know, this is one of those one-sided rivalries. Indiana really loves to play Michigan really tough. And it's just another game on Michigan's schedule. And I think a lot of fans consider it that way, too. But we need to think back that Indiana has played very diff, you know, very tough games. Michigan has gone to overtime there the last two times they were down there. So when I say I'm kind of stepping back, you know, this season reminds me a little bit of, of 2016 where Michigan went on the road at Iowa and, and, and had a really tough loss after 
um, you know, in the run up to that, they had been trending in a very positive way, right? Um, you know, looking back to the 2016 season, you know, Michigan had beat Illinois 41 to 8. Um, they beat Michigan State 32-23. They beat Maryland 59-3. And then just the, the wheels kind of fell off at Iowa. And now you and I both know that playing in Iowa is is a, a different deal. But again, it was a Michigan team went on the road and, and kind of lost its way a little bit. Um, what, I, what I'm hoping for in this game is that Michigan goes out, is efficient, takes care of business, and doesn't uh, lose uh, track of that they got to play Indiana really well before you can get to Ohio State. And obviously, um, you know, in 2016, the Big Ten was was still, you know, in the realm of possibility, and, and this year it's not. But um, it, it's really hard for me not to look past Indiana to to Ohio State. It's fine for me. I'm not playing the game. We're not coaching. But I really am looking to see – Michigan go on the road and really put together a strong performance. You know, it, it doesn't need to be a, a you know a, a forty to nothing game or a forty to ten game, but I, I just want to see them come out and and um, play four quarters of good football. You know, they put together a really good half when they went on the road to Illinois, and then you know things kind of went you know poorly in the third quarter. So you know. I'm fine with a, a, you know, say a, a low scoring victory, you know, in the 20s to maybe, you know, three or, or, or seven points for Indiana. I just want to see a consistent effort and, and basically just uh, stay focused and play well throughout the whole game. Um, and again, you know, no injuries. You want to get out of this game and, and be uh, as healthy as you can uh, coming home to face Ohio State. Yep, absolutely. I think uh, we're going to see a pretty stark contrast in the game plans uh, on offense from the Michigan State game to this game. Indiana is actually relatively strong uh, in pass defense and uh, much weaker in uh, in their run defense. So I would expect a game plan that's more similar to the Illinois game. And uh, I kind of expect the game to resemble the Illinois game Um in terms of uh, the, the the running the ball and making sure that you're getting the ball to a variety of running backs and keeping the clock running, and then the challenge will be to the defense to uh, to make sure that they're eliminating uh, the big plays given up and uh, you know changing coverages, changing looks, and uh, hopefully not not tipping their hand too much to uh, to the Buckeyes. Um, because you know we we've talked about it a couple times that Indiana the Indiana game last year is really uh, where the blueprint was written um, that allowed that uh, that real debacle in Columbus and allowed Ryan Day to exploit Don Brown's uh, tendencies for 62 points. So we we'd like to see the clock running. We'd like to get out of uh, Bloomington healthy, and uh, hopefully Don Brown can uh, use a. Uh, a little bit of creativity and, and and some some variability to to keep Indiana guessing, but we don't really want them to have to pull all the tricks out of the bag uh, if he can help it. So it's for me that the name of the game is to to execute cleanly on, on both sides of the ball and and try to get out of there healthy. All right. Well, 
That's going to be it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.